Hi, my name is Luke Bretherton, and this is the Listen, Organise, Act podcast, which focuses on the history and contemporary practice of organising in democratic politics, paying particular attention to the role of religious communities in that work. This podcast is a collaboration between the Industrial Areas Foundation, or IAF, and the Keenan Institute for Ethics at Duke University. You can download readings relevant to the episode from the website. That's www.ormondcenter.com backslash listen-organize-act-podcast. Do sign up at the website for news about events and resources related to the podcast or to send me questions. In this episode, I discuss why and how listening is the beginning point of democratic organising and the role of the one-to-one or relational meeting in that work. In the first part, I talked to Lena Jamul about what is a one-to-one, what it involves, and how it differs from other ways of engaging with people in democratic politics. In the second part, I talked to Arnie Graf in order to reflect further on some of the tensions and issues that arise in doing one-to-ones. I'll introduce Arnie after I talk to Lena. Lena Jamul is Executive Director of the Minnesota Association of Professional Employees. She's wide experience of community organising, both in the US and the UK. And about eight years ago, she switched to being involved in union organising, which is her current role. So, Lena, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for for doing this. I my I think the last time I actually saw you in person, and I, I was this was brought back to me recently, um, was in two thousand and eight, which is many moons ago. And right. you, amazing, you you were organising in uh, Chicago at the time, and uh, re- by some remarkable feat of uh, chutzpah and cunning, uh, you managed to get me into Grant Park. To hear uh, Barack right. Obama's Barack Obama's victory speech, um, which is feels incredibly kind of relevant to the moment as we're in this time of transition, and they and they played uh, before Obama came on, Michelle and, and Obama came on, they played John McCain's concession speech that night, and I think it was the night of the election, or it was the night of the election. So, uh, so yes, yeah, so I have very many happy memories yes. of our last time. Actually, I saw you saw you in yes. person. So it's, it's I've great been thinking see. about that concession speak actually quite a bit. These I days. know it's remarkable. It's had all these views as well um, because it stands in stark contrast to the current current moment. But Lena, just tell tell me a bit about kind of uh, your journey into organising, where you've organised, um, and something of your current role. Yeah. Well, um, I think my journey into organizing began before I was born, uh, like a lot of us. Uh, my parents had been, um, you know, political activists in Syria in the late 70s, trying to form some kind of semblance of a democratic labor party um, that um, happened to be in opposition to the Assad government. And so that was really the formation of our family's um, kind of trajectory and um, and definitely my trajectory and kind of DNA and um, kind of contribution to, to the world. You know, so I was, I was born in Syria. We emigrated to Cyprus in 1984. Um, when I was seven and then kind of grew up between um, Syria, Lebanon, Cyprus, and then London. Right. Um, 
and but grew up always with the uh, with uh, politics being talked about at the dinner table and the sense of if people, ordinary people aren't organized, power can't be held accountable. You know, I came across the IAF when I was the Industrial Areas Foundation when I was in graduate school and and really found that to be my calling vocation in a way that there there is a way to there is a way to make a difference in the world. There is a way to connect people to one another and and through those connections, build build power that can have impact in people's lives and neighborhoods and communities and workplaces and 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 you know and kind of maybe more importantly you know, themselves um, from the from the inside right. out. So and did you and was 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 your first organizing job in London or was it in the U.S.? I can't remember. It was in the U.S. I was in Chicago. Right. Um, yeah. So in London, um, I was a volunteer leader. You know, as a graduate student and and helped right. um, helped lead campaigns on a voluntary basis with the organization, um, and then moved to moved to Chicago um, in two thousand and six. And that's when you took up full-time kind of organizing. Mm-hmm. And tell me a little bit about your current role. Yeah, I'm currently the executive director of a labor union with 15,000 members um, in Minnesota. It's a labor union of professional state workers. It's called MAPE, the Minnesota Association of Professional Employees. <clears throat> and I've been in the organization for almost seven years so so turning now to the to the one-to-one and mm-hmm. or something that's called the relational meeting what is it you know what in in organizing terms people often bang on about you know the one-to-one is the basic tool of organizing you know can you just give us a sense of of what is it and what does it involve yeah um so a one-on-one is you know, a 20 to 30 minute conversation with someone that's face to face in order to get to know them and in order for them to get to know you. And through that conversation, figuring out what that person's self-interest is, what makes them tick, uh, what's their hopes and dreams for themselves and their and their community, their families, their communities. Um, whether they have any appetite to do anything about those hopes and dreams and what kind of leadership potential following or network um, that that they have so so in, in kind of what would you say is the is the point of it what do you why why i mean it's obviously interesting to hear people's stories it's it's a nice way to kind of get a sense of who they are but but why do this what's the point of it yeah. What are you trying to achieve through having these through having these relational meetings? Yeah, I think I think politics is really hard, and I think folks and politicians or activists or campaigners or whoever are always trying to figure out what's the what's the message, what's the thing that I can you know get on TV and tell people or print in the the social or whatever. Yeah, and I think there isn't a thing. I think all there is actually is relationships with people. And connecting with them. And it's labor intensive and requires a lot of time and patience and the ability to suspend judgment and the ability to resist selling an ideology and the ability to be okay with not knowing what the answers are and to go and try to talk to enough people so an answer emerges or a set of answers emerge. Um, And I think those are all, I think those are actually really 
things at the heart of our politics. And kind of, so what I do one-on-one is to kind of really bring that back in a real practical um, and real way of, of this, how you invest your time as a as a leader or a political person. So the um, sense of, not- of, it's kind of central to it is what you're describing is the kind of, if politics is really about people and and, and people coming together to kind of determine the conditions of their lives, really, and having some say over that, being able to kind of act together to determine that, it's crucial we need a way to put people before program. A lot of politics is about selling ideological programs or recruiting people to campaign, or that actually the the person gets lost in the program. And the one one to one is, in a sense, a way of actually saying no. We need to put the person first, and the program, whatever it is, you know, a campaign, or working together on an issue, um, an election process, is secondary and comes flows out of the relationships we build together as persons. Would that be a fair kind of characterization? Yeah, yeah exactly. Right, and what and 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 building on that that sense, I mean, how then does the relational meet differ from other kinds of ways in which? politicians and those in NGOs or even kind of planning processes listen to people? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you could turn around and say, well, actually, you know, we do polling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a way I'm listening to persons and putting yeah. trying to put people first or um, focus groups is a way of doing that. Or, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I know you you did some of this. Uh, I, I was involved in this during the election of, and phone banking. Mm-hmm. Um, these, these are all ways in which one tries to engage people Mm-hmm. processes how does how does the how does the kind of one-on-one meeting differ from them yeah and that's that's a good question um it differs in a number of ways one is you're, you're not trying to sell anything right and you're and also the information it's a mutual exchange right so you're also sharing about yourself and you're kind of um so you're learning and the other person is learning too Right. Um, it's a, so it's a two-way mutual exchange. There's also, you know, less of a script. Right, 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 right. Um, that that you that you follow, and um, you know, for a focus group, for example, it's like you're trying to get something out of that exchange. Where this is, this is you're trying to build a relationship, and you're trying to identify leaders. Right, right, right. And so there's more. Um, there's just more space around it, you know, you're right. kind of right. coming into it with a with a more open mind. Although I, you know, I will say that kind of the dynamics of a one-to-one is a pliable tool. So that's an interesting it, it does seem to me this kind of there's a tricky dance in the one-to-one of there's there is it's not casual chit chat mm-hmm. or sports talk or just a kind of hey, let's get a coffee and hang out kind of thing. And it's not this very focused kind of one way uh, conversation where i'm i'm trying to extract something from you or sign you up to something but there is a sense of there's is there's a direction to it there's a direction of travel to it and while at the same time one is genuinely trying to connect to what the the kind of hopes dreams what someone has energy for what their concern real concerns are beyond simply or kind of passing the time of day of talking to the weather yeah. Um, and and get a sense of what will they act around or on, and and do they connect to the things 
I'm engaged with or trying to kind of work on, in your case, um, building up a, a union membership. So there's, there is this tricky dance, isn't there, between mm-hmm. actually having a meaningful conversation, really connecting relationally to someone, and on the other hand, kind of moving them to act in a certain way. And I, I always find that's a tricky, tricky dance. And, and in, in your experience, I mean, that, the example you've just given is a good one. There, there can be moments of agitation where you're trying to press people to say, well, what, what really is motivating you? Or, or mm-hmm. why didn't you do X, Y, or Z? Or why won't you join? You know, mm-hmm. what's going on with you? How do you handle those agitations? What what some of your experiences of that and handle yeah. that tension? Yeah. I mean that that's that's right. These they're not I they are purposeful conversations with the purpose of building power. So there there's there's gotta be a um a, a direction to that. You're right. And part of um the agitation piece is because we you know, public life asks us to stretch ourselves, right? Be, being public or doing something kind of outside your family and your your individual kind of social life i think that's why agitation is important to the one-on-one piece because it's kind of primes you and tests you mm. and also makes it more memorable you know makes the, the interaction more memorable mm-hmm. but it's important for that to come out of a relationship and and to be agitating people around their own self-interest right right, right. um um, so you have to spend some time with people to get to know what what that is. Yeah, the the sense in which then it's not simply treating people as kind of campaign fodder, but actually, even though one's trying to um, work out how you can act together with others, as it were, there's a sense in which that has to be born out of a genuine relational connection. Um, rather than simply, it's not a, it's not, it's too reductive to call it a recruitment drive. Even though one hopes one would generate shared speech and action, to put it at its most abstract, coming out of it. And 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 in that sense, going back to the example you just gave, I mean, how do you handle talking to very different people to you, and and when it's clear you do disagree with them like how do you like there there's, could be real points of disagreement but if if it's a relational meeting where i'm not own you know i mean i guess this goes back to a, a kind of more philosophical point if if politics is begins not by demanding everyone you disagree with leaves the room before the conversation begins but actually involves talking to people you can radically disagree with or are very different to you or have different cultural or religious backgrounds to you how how do you handle those kinds of differences in 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 the one-to-one setting Mm, yeah but going back to 2016 i mean i had a series of one-on-ones internally with our members who, who were Republicans, of people that I knew and respected and were involved in the union, mm. but had voted conservative and um, wanting to understand where people were coming from. And, and so I approached that conversation. I'm not trying to change anyone, not trying to, I'm, I'm just trying to figure out what's the motivation um, and um, and had some really good conversations with people who had voted for Trump in 2016. But um, you know, I think of um, I think of a member um, <clears throat> who works in the Department of Corrections who um, said the most important issue for her is for uh, folks coming out of prison to be able to have work. 
and because that's the thing that keeps them out of prison um but had a had a particular kind of family and religious upbringing and that was what her what was and then towards the conversation she asked me jokingly can I still be a member of the union (laughs) are you gonna kick me out of the union (laughs) (laughs) right no we need you (laughs) we need um so so I think that's I think that's partly it, being able to, and we've worked with her, with her on really, really great campaigns of getting more funding out of the legislature for probation and community services, which is her her work. Um, so, so that's an interesting, do you th- I mean, do you think that's part of why the, the, the one-on-one or the relational meeting is, is such a kind of key tool that actually if if it's much more about how do we change things together? It it enables one to build relationship across ideological differences. You, you don't come in defined by your ideological differences. You come in that you're a person, I'm a person, and how do we talk together and see what are their points of connection here? We can't. I can't pre-know that, and it seems to me a lot of, particularly in our polar, polarized context. People operate with an ideological checklist, and they seem to think they already know whether this person is going to be prepared to work with them or not. And that's certainly one of my experiences in organising: is people I would have who have very different religious backgrounds to me, very different cultural backgrounds to me. One of the delights of organising work is that, um, well, it's kind of <laughs> haunted by the fact that on the one hand, people I thought would radically disagree with me and do radically disagree with me. A lot of things turn out to show me love and respect beyond I, beyond which I deserve. And we did lots of wonderful work together. People who I agree with me about many, many things turn out to stab me in the back quicker than I can blink an eye. So it's kind of this curious thing in mm. politics that, that ideology doesn't necessarily make for the ability to work together or even cultural sameness or religious sameness or lots of things we think kind of ease the wheels of genuinely working together don't and so therefore if we're making our political judgments based on those we're often going to make bad judgments about who actually we can work together with on on, a, on an issue what do you i mean do you have experiences like that yeah i mean you know textbook answer power is organized people and organized money and so to organize people um, I think I think you can really only do it effectively at, in relationally, um, and so and the the tool the tool for that is is the is the one on one meeting. I also think it does, you know, you have to have a certain level of patience and commitment and um be willing not to know it all and kind of all these kinds of qualities that go into to to someone being willing to invest prime time in one-on-ones that I think lend themselves to just good leadership and so that when you have an institution that says okay one-on-ones are at the heart of the way we build power and kind of carry out our mission and then you attract leaders who are willing to do that, who are who are willing to be tested on it and kind of follow through. Then you then you build a different kind of infrastructure um, that's kind of more solid. And it's much more. I guess it's a kind of more leaderful. 
form of organization rather than a kind of one person at the top dictating kind of command and control structure uh, style um, yeah. of these things. Just, I mean, dig into the kind of practicalities a little bit. Like if you were, if you were, let's say um, you, you were uh, kind of wanted to think about this as a, a minister or you were running a, a small organization um, and you wanted to start doing one-to-ones and, and create this more relational culture for and, and, and draw people together to act together in more concerted ways. Just talk us through, like, how do you explain to someone, hey, come and meet me for this weird kind of conversation? Like, how, how does that go for you? Like, how do you, if someone, if you've never met someone before and they're outside the union or they were outside yeah. the community organizing coalition, how would you set that up? What would talk us through the steps that involve yeah. setting it up and a little bit about that first initial moment of having the conversation? Yeah. Um, so this is the point where people really struggle and where I know I really struggle. Yeah, I'm an introvert. I don't, I didn't uh, pre my organizing days. I liked my social circle and that was it, you know, which was pretty narrow. <laughs> so this isn't, this isn't not easy for most people. Um, so, so the key thing, um, and I remember Arnie Graf describing it as you have to run an action on yourself right. to, to do it. Um, so kind of first is just decide you want to do, decide that you're, you're going to do it. And then the, the second piece is really set time on your schedule to do it. Um, cause no one's going to make it urgent um, for, for you. So you have to make it urgent for yourself and kind of decide, you know, I'm going to do X amount of these a week or a month or whatever it is. So it's just like some kind of thing that you're going to keep yourself accountable to. And then I suppose if you were kind of just, start, you know, if you're a, a, a minister in a church or, or a small organization, you'd need a little bit of a frame for the meeting. Um, so it could be, if you're new somewhere, it could be, I'm, I've just started here and I want, I'm getting to know the neighborhood or the parish, or I'm getting to know our stakeholders in whatever context that you're in. Um, um, tell them why them, they're going to know why, why me. So either someone recommended you and said, you'd be a good person to talk to, or I, heard you say this at a meeting and I want to find out a little more about what you mean or your experience and I want to get to know you. And then they're going to want to know what's, what's good to tell people that you're not singling them out. Right. So I'm trying to have conversations with a number of people. Um, so you're not just, you know, like make people feel a little comfortable. Um, so, so folks generally tend to need a little bit of a frame, right. uh, frame for it. Um, and then, and then, and then treat it as normal. That's the other thing. If you're awkward about it, it'll be awkward. But if you treat it as the most normal thing in the world for, for you to be doing, then it'll be, it'll be normal for the other person too. And how much do you begin by sharing a bit about yourself? Do you, do you open by just saying a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. It just, it eases the conversation. It kind of, um, and I'll do a little framing in the beginning of the conversation too, because they might have probably forgotten what you said on the phone uh, of why you were setting the meeting up. So I'll, you know, I'll kind of do another frame at the beginning. Um, 
and and yeah, generally I'll tend to open with a little bit about myself. And generally, what kind of what's your? I mean, how? What are some of the kind of questions you ask to get at what is really motivating people, or what they're what they're angry about, or what they're passionate about? Yeah. Um... I, th- I mean, I think you just start, you can ask that. What do you what what gets you up in the morning? Right. What do you worry about for yourself, your family? Um, if you could change one thing that you think this would be great if it happened, but it would never happen, what's that one thing? Right. Um, you can ask people what's what's the mark you want to have in the world or in your organization or. Um, does anything make you angry? What is that? Yeah, no, there's because those are not the kinds of questions we ordinarily ask, and yet we all, all have thoughts and feelings around this kind of question. So it's it's the opportunity. I think often in, in my experience, giving people the opportunity to talk about those things actually it's it's one can go quite deep quite quickly as as one kind of gives people the opportunity to to think and reflect on those aspects of what they're doing, why they're doing it, um, yes. and yeah. I think I think that gets at a, at a very important point about in a, it beginning one's politics with listening uh, through something like the tool of the one to one. Sometimes I'd to call it a tool because it's kind of relational meeting, but but that sense in which it, it, are we are we taking seriously what people care about, what they cherish, what they love, and beginning there, or are we uh, so much politics is. It's either, a, even at its best, a kind of, um, if we build it, they will come, and then we've got to work out a mechanism to, to get them to where, where we're at, and they'll get very frustrated when people don't want to come to the places we're telling them will be good for them. Um, I call it the kind of self-righteous vanguard problem. Um, but all, uh, we, we've, we're, it's, it's all about a, a kind of technique of techniques of recruitment. It's not the sense that we, we talked about earlier of actually beginning with people, uh, ra- rather than program. But it, I think that is also true in, and I'd be interested to kind of your experiences of working with institutions in the kind of community organizing setting, whether in Chicago or in London. It's also true, certainly my experience of churches, uh, there's a decided lack internally of that kind of relational approach of, of actually rooting what the church is doing and its programs and um, services that it's, it's and ministries in actually where people are at. It's much more three people who run the church have an idea and then spend a lot of time trying to get people to turn out on a rainy Thursday to come to that ministry or, or, or volunteer for it mm-hmm. rather than beginning with, hey, you know, what do you care about? What are the problems in your community you want to see and that you'd want to act with others to address in, in, through forming a ministry here? Part of it is, is I think, saying by wanting to engage with people about what they care about is saying that they matter, mm-hmm. um, that they have value, that they're, they're important to you and important to the organization or an important member of this community. And that, I think, is also a very powerful thing to say in so much of the world that doesn't they only have value as a consumer or only value as a client or only value as a kind of vote on a, you know, um, or a signature. It's it's stepping beyond those kinds of ways of valuing people and saying, no, you, you as a person matter. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. And you can tell people that they matter 
but sitting down with them and having a conversation communicates to them that they matter. And you never have to say, I'm doing this because you're important or you matter. You know, it sounds a little weird, but, but people do, I mean, I've, I've had this experience quite regularly that at the end of a, at the end of the conversation, people will say, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. I feel like I matter. I mean, I've had that experience quite a bit of people, you know, kind of reflecting that back, um, back to me. Right. And actually, just another kind of practical issue. I mean, do you take notes after it? What do you do with that information? Yeah. What information? Um, what do you do with not information is the wrong term, but you get what I mean. Yeah. So I'll give you the textbook answer and then I'll give you what I what I actually do. Right. <laughs> so I think the textbook answer is you're, you know, you don't take notes in the meeting, but you take notes after the meeting. Um sometime every week between 30 to 40 minutes to like really reflect on both the meetings I've had and then the upcoming meetings. And so that'll be the time, but it's kind of all, all together rather than. A, um, yeah, I, I do. I do depend to, I do count on my memory more, more than I, more than I probably should. Right. Lena, thank you so much. Uh, it's been great talking to you on the podcast and I look forward to the day we can meet again in person. What comes through from talking to Lena is that the one-to-one as a practice embodies a distinctive vision of democratic politics, one which puts people before programme. As a practice, it involves having a very particular kind of conversation with someone one that seeks to identify what they are passionate about or angry about, what they want to see change where they live or where they work, whether they will act on that desire for change, and whether they can get others to act with them to address a shared concern. As I mentioned at the outset, I I wanted to reflect further on some of the tensions and issues that arise in doing one-to-ones. To that end, I talked to Arnie Graf about his experiences of doing one-to-ones and training others to do them over many decades of involvement in community organizing all around the US. I, I wanted to talk to Arnie as he's one of the most experienced organizers in the world today and has helped shape its contemporary practice. He began organizing work as part of the civil rights movement in the 1960s and then went on to work with the Industrial Areas Foundation over many decades. More recently, he's worked with the British Labour Party to develop the insights of organising for local party politics in the UK. Arnie, thank you so much for talking to me uh, on the podcast. I've been talking to Lena Jamul about what is a one-to-one and and what it involves. Building on what I discussed with her, I I just want to kind of jump straight into the thick of doing one-to-ones with you and ask, can you kind of give some with hopefully with some examples of kind of not just a kind of a how to do the one to one but more like when one's doing a one to one what are the kind of responses in oneself when you're identifying leaders or potential organizers what are the kind of things that go off for you um effectively emotionally mentally that you think, whoa, yeah, that's what they kind of they tell a story, and you think, oh yeah, they're a leader, or mm-hmm. you you get a you, they're telling you something about themselves and and what makes them mad or what they really cherish, 
and you think, yeah, I need to press into this person, almost the kind of internal world mm-hmm. of the one-to-one. Because we don't often, you know, we can read it when you do it, but actually I think it'd be really helpful to know something of how you kind of approach that and what goes, mm-hmm. what, what you're looking for and, and what, what sets you kind of really, you know, the, the gets, gives you energy. Well, if you're out in the community, I'm trying to, the first thing is, you know, do they, do they have any kind of following? Right. So what's going on in my head is who do they relate to? Uh, you know, what are they part of? And if they're not part of anything, which you can find in some communities, so many things have collapsed, the church is gone or whatever, there's not much there. Uh, then I'm trying to figure out, you know, did do they know their neighbors? Do they relate to how long have they lived there? If they lived there, you know, how, how, how you know, do, yeah, do their kids, if their kids are older and grown, do they relate to well. people if they're still living there? So the first thing is, you know, that I'm looking for is, uh, are they relating to other people? And uh, would they have any pull on people? I'll ask, you know, if they, well, I'm not a leader or I know some people. I said, well, you know, if we were to, you're talking to me about the school that's a problem or the garbage in the community, whatever they're talking about. Could you pull together five people, you know, that we could talk about this? Um, and if they answer me, yeah, well, who, who would they be? Not And why? What is it about Mrs. Simon that, you know, you think uh, would be a person, you know, uh, that you, you would pull together and would be good for this? So the one thing is, you know, is there, is there uh, do they have anybody behind them? Uh, and, you know, given their story, you know, if you pull out your story, um, or a story that they're willing to, you know, share with you, uh, does, does what they're saying, you know, relate to what I think would be a, you know, a good leader. And some people tell stories and they're, they're nice stories, but they're not, it's nice for their life. I mean, you know, but, but it's not anything that, uh, would necessarily lead you to think that you want to have a second meeting. Um, Kind of one of the things organizers uh, often talk about uh, when they're doing when they talk about one to ones is they're looking for people uh, who have anger. What's what's meant by that, and, and what kind of anger do you look for? And and can you just say a little bit about like how does that connect to bringing about change? So I've met people who have anger, good anger, but they can't direct it. They can't mm-hmm. you know, discipline. And no matter what you do to try to, it interests me. But in the second or third, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, what do they do with it other than, you know, uh, something that's destructive. So, or or they do nothing with it. You know, you meet people who say, I, I get so angry. Uh, I just, I, I just, I better stay, stay away, you know, because it, I'll lose my temper and, you know, that's not good, all of that. And I'll ask them a story about when they did lose their temper and what happened and, you know, if they if they lose their temper 10 times, they tell you, you know, it's not, you know, so I'm looking for, you know, uh, their level of anger. And I am looking for, if they want some power, I may not ask it in that direct way. Cause you're talking to somebody, you want power is a weird question. Uh, but what, what do you, what do you want to make happen? And when people say, well, I'd like to see the community come together. Well, what are you willing, what are you willing to do to bring it together? people often give you the general answer. Well, I'd like to see the community come together. I'd like to see us do this. I'm tired of all the violence. I'd like to see or whatever, you know, I'm tired of all the garbage, the, you know, 
the city never comes around and picks up the, the trash. You know, we don't have any, whatever they're talking about. Um, so th- th- those are the types of things. And if they, uh, and lastly, I would say uh, if they have any curiosity about me, not, you know, who is this guy? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, if they want to know who you are, uh, not, not, you know, deep and all that, you're only meeting the first time, but you know, who are you? And, and, uh, so you work for, uh, you know, the AIM organization. Uh, you know, you know, what do you do that for? Uh, that that makes me even more interested in a person because so they they have a kind of curiosity and interest in the world around them. They're not; it's not all focused on themselves. There's an external right. point of reference. Exactly. Exactly. In terms of the anger piece, someone who had a genuine care and love for the institution mm. or for the people in the community, how far that extent that it's not just a question of that external, you know, they're looking beyond themselves, but there's a, there's a kind of care for the world around them. And, and how often do you encounter that? How do you, how do you hear that articulated? So what are the, some of the pointers towards that, that you kind of register when you're doing one-to-ones with people? Mm-hmm. Well, if, if, if the care is more than general, right? So you say an issue is, uh, you know, it's not one of the things that makes an issue instead of a problem is that it's specific, not general. But people can say, well, you know, I really care about the community, but or I care about the school or the church, whatever they're involved in. But if they're not, I, I try to take that as a kind of, in our language, take it down from a problem to an issue. So specifically, what have you done? Or specifically, what are you doing? Uh, well, I tried to do it, but then the principal wouldn't let me. So, well, why did you let that? Why did you let him get in your way? Hmm. So you look, you, care has to, you know, if there's no, to me, if there's no anger behind the care, the anger we talk about, I don't mean temper and crazy, but, you know, the anger that we talk about, um, and they care, I want to know what they've done about it. Right. And if they've not done anything about it, are they willing to do something about it? And if they're not really sure, it's just, you know, then I don't, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily care to come back a second right. time. So it's not a kind of vague, <laughs> right? it's not a vague sentiment like I have a generalized yeah. sense of, isn't it terrible there's poverty in the world or right. isn't it yeah. terrible that poor kids don't get good education? There's a sense in which you're looking for folk who've, they've, they've got a, there's an active concern to try and address a real problem in the world. There's a, there's a real wound here that they're trying to, they, that, that's got concrete shape that they're trying to do something about. Yeah, and that organizing then is they, you're coming with a means to actually bring meaningful change. And so they've tried different ways or they've, that's certainly my experience of it's, that's one of the kind of key things that they're, they tried various things. And then are they going to be hungry, if you like, for a meaningful way to bring change to address that issue or, or other the kind of things they're concerned about? Right. Or, you know, they haven't, uh, but they want to. They want to try. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've said to people, you know, that, that, you know, that's that's a nice expression, a nice sentiment, nice, nice feeling. But it doesn't do a darn thing. Right. <laughs> uh, 
different language if, if I'm not, you know, if I'm from in the community, obviously, you know, it doesn't do a damn thing, right? It means nothing. It might, might make you maybe feel better because you care and you pine for something or other. But it's, uh, you know, generally it's a waste of time. Um, and uh, yeah. so, you know, I, you know, fine. I mean, you be how you want to be. I mean, it's not for me. But, you know, I'm, you know, I, I appreciate meeting you. And uh, if you ever want to do something, you know, you know, you know where I am and you can call me up and we can see if we can do something. So you do because you get a lot of people who generally are concerned about the local school or this or that or whatever, but they don't do anything. And when you challenge them and you say, well, okay, great. You, you're concerned about it. Um, here are some, what would you like to do about it? And they say, this should be changed. And, well, what do you, are you, are you willing to get together you know, with some people and, and myself and we could figure out what to do about it? Oh, well, you know, I'm busy. I got two jobs. I, whatever, you know, uh, I, my, 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 I got my favorite soap opera to watch at three thirty. I can't go, <laughs> whatever. They don't say that, but whatever. Um, and I, you know, I mean, if you're meeting a person, you're in the home, you know, I'm not angry. You're polite. I just say to myself, I'm moving on. And I cut the individual meeting short. All right. So how, how agitational, how agitational are you ever in a meeting? I, I try to be every time I'm meeting somebody, um, but it takes different forms. Right. But, you know, people, when they think of agitation, they think of somebody just coming at you, coming at you, coming at you. You know, uh, I call that irritation. <laughs> you know, you don't want to irritate somebody. You know? So there's a difference between agitating and ir- irritating. And um, some of the organizers get confused. They irritate the hell out of people. They irritate me. You know what I mean? So... Uh, not agitating. You got to agitate inside of a context of how you try to, and and you agitate in different ways given the person. What would be some of the wet? Give us some examples of that agi- agitation. Uh, well, irritating is to me is just. Let's say the person says, uh, you know, the, the, there are problems in the local school, and, and my child goes there, and I don't like the fact that you know, uh, recess is only ten minutes instead of twenty five minutes. Or I'm making stuff up, but whatever. Um, and, uh, so I'll say, well, uh, what do you think should be done about that? Well, we should, you know, get it to, you know, well, who can, who, who could make that change? Well, the principal could decide. I said, okay, you know, how many other people feel that way? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, or I've talked to a couple of parents there. I said, well, would you bring those couple of parents together? Well, I don't really have the time or now look, you just said, that you were interested and you were concerned, but now you say you don't have the time. I mean, what is it? You want to do it or you don't want to do it. That's irritation. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. right. Uh, a lot of organizers do, you know, in my experience running with them, I can't even tell you how many individual meetings, you know, I've run with organizers over the 50 years. I mean, thousands. That irritates the hell out of me. <laughs> and when we go outside, you know, I was like, who, who are you to go into somebody's home and irritate the hell out of them? First of all, it's lousy for the organization because, you know, we get a terrible reputation. These people are great, you know. But anyway, who are you? You know, what makes you, who, are you so self-righteous, you know, you know, what the, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> um, but agitation would be would be coming at the person differently. Well, if you could do something about it, what would it be? Who would you have to? 
you know, so let's think together how we might do something about it. Well, why? Well, I'm not a, I'm not an expert. What do I, I look? You're you're an expert about your child. You know, you know your kid better than anybody else and what he needs or she needs. So, I take you as an expert. Now, look, what what do you? If, you know, if we could, what would, you know, what would you do? And who do we have to talk to? And, well, I don't know if I want to. I would, well, maybe it's not that, maybe it's not as important to you than, that as, that as you thought you. No, I didn't say that. I said, well, then what do you want to do? I think that's more agitation than irritation and saying what's wrong with you. And, you know, you, you say you care about something, but you really don't, you won't do anything about it, you know. And that's the kind of person that I'll leave after about 25 minutes. You know, I'll thank them for me being in the house, and it was lovely meeting them. And, uh, uh, you know, I wish them well. No, that's really helpful. That's really, I think it's a great distinction. It's really, really helpful. It's easy to get caught doing doing one one or the other. Yeah, um, it is. And it's easy for uh, organizers to get self-righteous. And I think that's a, what, I mean, just say a little bit about it is easy if if you're passionate about an issue, let's say you're going out, there's a living wage initiative or do with housing or, you know, increasing internet access. These are important issues. You're passionate about it. Um, you see the need of it as an organizer um, and you're not getting a response from someone. Uh, how, what are the kind of ways in which you approach or, 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 or help yourself not get angry with them or not kind of come over as a self-righteous vanguard who knows better how everyone else should live. I, is it, in my experience, it's, it's partly just, I'm just interested in them as a person and I'm trying to hear from them as a person um, rather than I'm recruiting them to an issue. How do you prevent yourself either ending up using the one-to-one to recruit people to an issue you're working on or your own kind of like, I, I just know better how what's going to going on and why can't this person get it? Well, you know, I, I call it, the, I call it the self-righteous vanguard problem. It's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. we, we know better how everyone else should live. Yeah. Well, I think I, 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 I fight that a lot. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I, I guess what I, what I do is uh, I call it the, you know, the 20 minute rule. You know, if it's, it's going like that and I'm feeling self-righteously anger, it's time for me to get out of there. And so I thank them for their time and I excuse myself because anything that I do in there, if I'm feeling that way is useless and could be damaging, Not, you know, to, because sometimes you do individual meetings, you know, and the person shows no interest. And two months later, they're at a meeting, a bigger meeting, and they'll come up to you or you notice them and you say to yourself, I wonder what Joe's doing there, man. That I walked out on that meeting, not rudely, but I mean, you know, well, some guy brought him there and a friend or whatever. And then, you know, so it isn't always, you know, you also don't want to burn all your bridges uh, and there's no point to, it, you know, I mean, because it is self-righteous anger. And so what's the point? Listening to Arnie reinforced what I learned from Lena that doing one-to-ones is not just about building relational networks, but crucially, it's also a way of finding people who care about their community and are prepared to act with others to make it a more just and generous place to live and work. 
The conversation with Arnie helped me see how the one-to-one demands a way of listening to others so that we both hear what they care about, but also we hear who they are, what, what makes them tick. This kind of double listening is difficult, but thankfully the practice itself trains us to do exactly that. As we've heard, the one-to-one or relational meeting is a distinct practice and discipline that ensures democratic politics puts people before program, grounding shared action in the actual lives, experiences and stories of people. As a practice, it ensures action to bring change for the better is done with those most affected rather than to or for them. It takes time and patience and can often be very hard work. But it also changes us, helping us to become more attuned and responsive to the people among whom we live and work. So I encourage you to start doing one-to-ones yourself. If you're interested in learning more, I include suggested readings in the show notes. Just remains for me to say thank you for joining me for this episode of the Listen, Organize, Act podcast, in which I explore the one-to-one as the basic tool of a relationally driven form of democratic politics. I hope you can join me next time as I continue this journey through the different elements of community organizing. Mm -hmm.